0: Welcome to The Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of The Good Athlete Project. Over the last two decades, Nate Robinson has been one of the most fun players to watch in all of the NBA. He leaped into the national consciousness by winning three dunk contests, each time being the biggest, strongest, most athletic players in professional basketball. He cemented his status as a legend, at least a Chicago legend, in 2012. Because of injury, the Bulls' chances at success were dismal at best. But Nate came in and with incredible passion and genuine love of the game, not only led the Bulls on an improbable playoff run, but made every single game exciting to watch. We'll talk more about that season, what he's been up to since, and what makes Nate Nate in today's podcast. Won a state championship in basketball in high school, and then you took a football scholarship to go play for the Huskies, and like you were legit, you were good. You started for a team that went to the Sun Bowl, if my research is correct. Yep. Um, and but then kind of just kind of shifted to basketball, obviously, because you showed a ton of promise in that. But I I hope I'm not speaking out of term, but you you approached basketball at times it felt like like a, like a football player. There was an intensity there that that probably, you know, we're, we're in Chicago right now. I know that that's one of the things that we appreciated from you as fans was like when Nate comes in, the intensity is going to go up. Um, we got a shot.
1: Yeah, I, I, I just wanted, honestly, the, my energy and how the intensity is, I just wanted everybody to play hard and have fun like I did. Like I When I played basketball, when I'm on the court, any sport I did or anything I did, I just love doing it. I love. I enjoy every second of whatever
0: I'm doing. Yeah, I totally agree. Do you think? Um, well, t- tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about like what. You, first of all, you got a football scholarship to a big time Pac-10 school. That's pretty exciting. And how did how did you ultimately make the decision to go from football to basketball?
1: Uh, well, the the decision came. Well, let me back up a little bit. So, when I when I started as a kid, man. I didn't just have one sport that I love, man. I just I didn't love I love all sports. I just wanted to play. I just fell in love with playing and enjoying myself when I played basketball. Football came kind of easy because my dad—that's all he would watch. Um, I came. I I grew up in the era where when when my dad was had me at twenty-one, twenty. You know, he was young, but when he was twenty, what I would say twenty-five-ish, I was like I was like four, just turning five. He I remember my dad, if I can remember you know, that far back, clearly. Is. I remember my dad having this thing called electric football. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Some people that don't know what electric football is, it's a it's a it's a, it's a football board game, basically. So my dad used to have this Monday night football thing where his buddies they used to come over and play that, and I that's how I fell in love with football. You know, watching guys Barry Sanders, my dad giving me history lessons on Walter mm-hmm. Payton, and, and yep. Emmitt Smith, all these greats. And my dad was pretty dope too growing up.
0: He was a Husky too, right?
1: Yeah, he went to UW. He, you know, shocked the world showing, you know, he could be a freshman, you know, that's really doing his thing. He got Rose Bowl MVP as a freshman, which is never heard of. And then my dad turns around his senior year and gets Orange Bowl MVP, which was never heard of. Two You know, one guy getting two major MVPs and two major bowls. Nobody's ever done it. My dad's the only guy in the world that's ever done it. That's amazing. You know what I'm saying? So that's pretty cool. So knowing – I didn't know that, you know – the dynamics of you know his his presence on the on the football field, you know, was that was that crazy like that? You know, mm-hmm. until I grew up playing in Seattle, Washington, being a you know phenomenal athlete, being in the paper, then you know attending the best high school in the country, Rainier Beach High School. Shout out to my high school, yeah. And then you know getting my scholarship, going to UW, and everybody was like, "Oh my God!" All I heard about the whole time I was at UW was my dad. Like that was the crazy thing. I went to You know, I'm balling. I'm a freshman, and they still talking about my dad at the school. I was like, wow. I think that's pretty cool. You know, putting on the same jersey, coming out the same tunnel. You Mm -hmm. know, so I just wanted to set my mark. And when I attended the University of Washington, the football scholarship. You know, it's something I dreamed of as a kid. Like I wanted to play both, Mm
2: -hmm. and I was like,
1: I want to be the best, and I wanted to show people that it doesn't. You don't have to just play one sport. You can be good at whatever sports you choose. Like. I feel like if I would have ran track, I would have been great at that. If I would have played mm-hmm. baseball, if I would have done any sport, excel just because it's just in my, in my mental, my DNA, like I just want to try and have fun and I want to enjoy what I'm doing. I believe that. When it came time to me to choose a sport, you know, I played my freshman year, had a solid year, of 35 tackles, couple of interceptions, like 12, 13, 15 of deflections or something crazy like that as yeah. a freshman. Um, when they fired coach Rick Neuheisel, you know, mm-hmm. Shout out to my coach who got me to commit to U-Dub. He was a great guy. Uh, yeah. And when they fired him, I just, I didn't feel like I wanted to continue playing anymore. Like, believe it or yeah. not, like, that, he was so cool. Like, he was a, just a, he just encouraged me and it made me want to continue to play even more. Mm-hmm. So, so when when they fired him, it just was like, oh, man, like, damn, that's my coach. Like, who knows what, you know, Coach Gilbertson and, and then Tyler Mullingham came in, how they were going to do. But... I was like, this gave me the opportunity to, you know, I think that was a sign from God, like, yo, here's your opportunity right here. I want you to play basketball. So, yeah, I get it. Which, walked on to the basketball team, ended up leading the team and scoring my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we weren't that good. I think we finished 10 and 19 or something as a freshman, if I can remember correctly. Uh, you know, we were the doormat of the, of the Pac-10 at the time. They were calling us Pac-10 Doormat. everywhere we went. And then the next year, uh, I had a full year to work on basketball, first time in my life, and it, it just felt weird. It was foreign to me because I'm always playing football, running track, playing basketball. Like there was a cycle all my life.
2: Yeah.
1: When I had time to just play one sport, I had so much time. I was just in the gym, just countless hours, and I just got better. You know, my game just took off, and people started to recognize, you know, like, like who is this kid? And I was like, man, this guy played football. He's a football player. And changed you know, switching from uh from football to basketball and changing my uh my professions it was it was fun it was challenging for me because i had to really kind of catch up and work on my game and learn things kind of fast so it was like i don't know how to explain it and it's like it's like being on a being on your first day on the job to, it's like being your first day on the job and they're asking you to do stuff that that you're not required to, to do <laughs> but right. you kind of figure yep. it out and then you just jump into it like you You've been here your whole life,
0: so Yeah, I believe that. I believe that. And and um okay, so that's actually a good point. So you you're thrown into this environment. You obviously have literally a great talent. L- yeah, literally. And all of a sudden you are one hundred percent basketball. We all I think a lot of people know how that turned out for you. Uh, what was it like six hundred and twenty NBA games? But to get to that point, like what were some of the things that you had to work on? What were some of the transition things? Like did you have I can't imagine you had a a ton of potential, a great mindset, but did you have a a fully well rounded basketball game at that point? So I, I mean, I could hoop, but I didn't, I didn't understand the game completely.
1: So right.
0: what I did, man,
1: I, I spent a lot, lot of hours in the gym. I spent a lot of hours watching film. I was watching uh, a lot of hours in the gym with Coach Cameron Dollar, who was a, he was an assistant coach at the time. He's now assistant coach again at the University of Washington. I right. don't I think if it wasn't if it wasn't for him to help me mentally and. Teaching me about pick and rolls, defense assignments, and knowing where to be on the court, he helped me kind of speed my knowledge of the game up. Like from literally the percentage out, the percentage I was 60 percent of knowing the game, he took me to from that to like a 90 hmm. within the within the within the year. So once I understood that, I understood the college game, and he was preparing me for the NBA. It was mm-hmm. uh, it was like it was like riding a bike.
0: There you go. I like it. And then 21st overall draft pick. You Okay, correct me if if any of these stats are wrong. This is is the way I remember it or what I've uh, researched. But uh, 21st overall draft pick and kind of really made the national scene. Like obviously you were known on the coast, um, but Midwest, East Coast, like really made a splash in the national scene, not only getting picked up by a high-profile franchise, but – But uh, the early dunk contest, now I know that your game is way beyond dunking, but three-time dunk champion is a notable thing. How did that feel going from like a pretty well-known guy to like everybody knows about this guy?
1: It was a big change. It was fun because when I came to the league, you know, on my podcast, I was joking with Carlos Boozer about people not knowing who I am. We were talking about the girls and, you know, groupies. They were like, oh, you know, looking past me, I was a little guy that didn't know, know who I was. (laughs) <laughs> people were people weren't coming up to me like, "Oh, that's Nate Robinson," you know, until I actually, you know, played for the Knicks, won the dunk contest, and then they called mm-hmm. that I could play, and you know, everything was, you know, you know, falling in line. So once I won a couple dunk contests, you know, playing in the Knicks in New York, being in New York, I just I never wanted to just be in the house. I wanted to go out and see the city. So I was always in the community. I was always, you know, going to a, a New York, you know, gym. Uh, or outside in the uh, you know on the streets, just popping up at different places—Brooklyn, Br- Bronx, Harlem—you mm-hmm. know I would just show up anywhere to just show up to hoop and just watch and just watch and play. You know, just play with play basketball versus kids. You know, I was doing that a lot, and I think that mm-hmm. you know I just became the people's champ. I would say, man, you know the community, the people I can relate to—you know, tall, short, uh, people around the world, kids. So. It, I became the kids' favorite man. When you have mm-hmm. the kids' part and then you know their parents have no choice but to love, fall in love with you as well.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think do one thing. One thing that we talk about a lot, and when we do, when we consult with uh, coaches and, and athletic departments and things like that, we talk about like what motivates people. Like, what is the inspiration for your behavior? Does your behavior match your goals? All this stuff. Um, and it, and one thing that I think that I know people identified with with you, and you're talking about it right now, is like genuine passion and love for the game. Like you can't help it. Listen, it's it's hard to be like an armchair quarterback or sit, you know, and watch watch some uh, NBA players on TV or NFL guys on TV and assume anything about them. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know any of that stuff. But every now and then it does feel like people, you know, the incentives have changed at that level. And maybe people are starting to play for the money or for potentially more selfish reasons. But you, yeah. like people, for you, it, it, it feels like you – like okay i would imagine the money's nice but you play cuz you like to play and your behavior like backs that up over and over i like to play man i, I mean like 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 it's funny when people be you like know, oh you're crazy cuz i used to
1: tell people man, i said, I'll play for i'll play in the nba real free if it was just a regular thing just to go do you know yeah. Yeah, and some people probably wouldn't do it you know some people don't love the game like that they they do love it for their own personal reason and that's and that's okay too like just, uh, if if that's money is what sure. you love and that's your motivation and that's what makes you go then there's nothing wrong with that you know so everybody's mm-hmm. different
0: no that's right yeah and so no judgment with it i think you know if if that's what you're about then i guess that's no, right.
1: that's, that's what I'm about man i just love yeah. the game i love to compete man there's something about competing and then looking great while you're out there doing it you know people mm-hmm. looking at you like wow man you make it look so easy but
2: they don't they don't
1: know the hard work and dedication that comes you know with being a great athlete you know or what people perceive you to be, and what they look like, because even with me being out of the NBA, I still feel I'm one of the best in the NBA. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I know that because I work hard. I work at what I do. I know how I hoop. So it's just you know, it's just it's it's, it's just it's just a person, man. It's all up to you how you feel. What what's your like? You said what's your motivation? What is mm-hmm. your inner child? What is your inner child? You, you can see people's inner child when they hoop and when they're the happiest. You can see what they. Yeah, that's you know, right. You can't you
0: can't hide that. There, you're totally right. There are some guys, you know, whatever. Professional sports is a business. There, there are some guys who it seems like it's a business, and there's some guys who play with with an edge and with a smile on their face. You can tell, like you said, you can't hide it. Some people are 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 just all in. Uh, we saw a lot of that when you were in Chicago. Do you think? Walk us through, if you don't mind, your time spent here. That was a. I think you're that happy. was a dream. I don't. I don't think that really happened in my reality. <laughs> Dude, it happened. <laughs> I was thinking. I, I
1: think I was really dreaming, man. Because let me say, being in Chicago, and if, this may sound, I would say, corny, but this is just honest to God truth, man. Being in Chicago changed my life dramatically, just just because one, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan putting yeah. on that jersey for me as a kid was was magical, right? So when I got to the Bulls, all those memories of me being a kid and watching Michael Jordan just plays in my mind every time I step foot put that practice jersey on, put the game jersey on. Every time I stepped into UC that's all I could think about is like, all right, cool, how can I set my mark as being showing these people and letting them fall in love with the, the with my game and the person that I am. Who they mm-hmm. who they watching on T V is who they get every day where they see me. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. that's who my problem I mean, is. The passion, the smiling, the the fierce, the the anger, yeah. the, you know what I'm saying? The the the, the, the desire to just compete and to win, to want to showcase the talent that God gave me I, for the people, like, for my organization, for my team, for my teammates. Like, it was mm-hmm. real. And bit playing in Chicago, you know, you know, I got my first opportunity, honestly, to show that I can honestly play the game the right way, play, you know, be a point guard, run a team, you know, have fun, get buckets, you know, showing the, the world, you know, Know what this five nine frame is really about? You know, it was it was it was it was unbelievable, man. And I just I loved every second of it, and it went too fast. It was like it was like me watching my my movie, my favorite movie, and fast forward. Right, and that's how fast it came and went. I was like, oh my god, this season's over. The playoff run we had, when people said we weren't even going to make the playoffs,
2: mm-hmm. so you know,
1: well, winning Game Seven against Brooklyn, and that's you know, right. Making a commercial and people around the city was it was just. It was pandemonium, man. It was awesome. I can't even lie, man. Watching young Jimmy Butler blossom to who he is today. Yep. I think I had a lot to do with that just by, you know, helping him with his mental by getting him to see that he is a superstar. Like you are that. You gotta mm-hmm. believe in yourself. If you don't, then you're never gonna be that.
2: Oh, that's
0: absolutely right. And it took the uh it took like the, the heat dynasty to knock you out that year. And I'll tell you, like in Chicago, we were we we kinda thought when D Rose was coming back, okay, maybe Chicago basketball is back. And then when he got hurt, it was a little bit of a letdown. And then that season was just like magic though. It was incredible. It really was.
1: It was so much fun bro. Like honestly, every day in Chicago and people around the city, like Chicago, everywhere. Like they were like, man, Nate, everybody in Chicago loves you, man. I don't Mm -hmm. don't, don't think we've had, you know, anybody come to the team that came off the bench that has made this much, you know, this much impact on a team. It was just crazy. People would show me so much love everywhere I went.
0: Well, there's no question. And, and if it makes you feel better, uh, five years later, people are still talking about you around here. So you're, you're, you're Mark. It, there's no question that Chicago has got love for you. There's no doubt about it. And it's funny that you say Michael Jordan. We, talk, we use Michael Jordan as long as he, as long as uh, the, we, we work primarily with high school athletes and as long as his name means something. So in other words, like forever, we're going to use him as an example. I, I do feel like you have a little bit of that in you. It's hard to compare anyone to Michael Jordan, but you know, one of the things that set him apart from from our perspective is like is the stuff that you're talking about. It's the mindset stuff. You have to imagine that there are better athletes out there than Michael Jordan. And if he ever listens to this, he's probably gonna be pissed. But just in terms of like size, strength, speed, like just pure athleticism, there's gotta be better athletes, but there's probably never been a better basketball player. And ba- to be a basketball you got to have all of those other things. Always going to be
1: greater athletes than the next person that's done it before mm-hmm. you. You know what I'm saying? There's somebody better than Dion. There's somebody better than Bo Jackson. There's somebody who's going to be better than LeBron. There's going to be somebody better. You know what I'm saying? Better athletes. There's always going to be some better athletes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be nobody, never a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. I don't care if the right. person scored 100 points every game of the season. <laughs> right. It's true. But Michael Jordan did something to basketball and to. Each basketball player inside of you, like mm-hmm. everybody has a basketball player inside of them. That they watched it, they played it, they even if they didn't like the game. Yeah, a basketball player inside of everybody. And Michael Jordan has definitely touched and shined his light on every person in the world that loves basketball. For sure. Yes, there's no question. You, I, I mean, you there's, people, there's so. people that know him. There's people that know him that's never seen him play basketball and mm-hmm. know everything about him.
0: That's when you know you're. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's transcendent. It's, it's like it's – it's another level like you rarely see. Well, it's, listen, you, you brought something up that's kind of cool though. Interesting. Matt, I don't know if you meant to make this segue. But, yeah, if people do – if somebody does come out and score 100 points every game, it's, uh, it's in a different NBA than the one he played in. What, what do you – give us a little bit of insight on that. It, it probably I – don't, I don't know it well enough to identify the errors specifically – but uh, the game has clearly changed. You were probably you. Uh, the course of your career might might define part of the transition. How, how would you How would you say the NBA has changed over the last fifteen, twenty years or so? Man, I mean,
1: it's definitely changed a lot. Just because guys are scoring, guys are taller, guys are faster. They understand the game faster, higher IQ. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it, it is, and it, like you said, it's happened at a at a rapid rate. Back in the day, like. Guys wasn't balling like this until they, 'cause they're like thirties. Like guys are doing this at twenty five, twenty two years old, nineteen coming in, you know, in the NBA. So it, it's changed a lot. It's not as physical.
2: Mm-hmm. But I
1: don't, you know, I, I hate that part about it. How how it's changed physically. Like guys, yeah. you can't even you can't even touch anybody nowadays. You're getting you're getting called for a foul. But yeah, right. if Jordan was. In, if Jordan was in this era, he he definitely probably would score a hundred for sure. <laughs> right, <laughs> because. Just watching what James is doing, Booker's mm-hmm. scoring seventy, I and mean, Isaiah Thomas scored fifty two. Right. Uh, you know, Dane Miller scoring 57, and sixties, like, come on, like if Michael Jordan it's played in the area right now, man, he lives at the free throw line, he could get a bucket whenever in his prime. I don't think yeah. there's anybody one, they wouldn't be I don't think mentally be ready to play a Michael Jordan knowing that right. he was who he was. Like it's like, damn, I'm playing against the greatest ever. You know, not yeah. that many people would think like that, like like how Iverson did. When he had Jordan at the top, with the cross cross between yeah. for score a bucket on your favorite player. I I've got the opportunity to do that, you know, playing getting that game winning shot over Iverson. So it kind of feels, you know,
2: it doesn't feel real. Like I
1: said, it, it feels like a dream all the time.
0: That's true. That's such a that's such an interesting point. I think. Yeah, have you seen that thirty for thirty on the bull? Or oh no, it was on the Pistons. You ever see thirty for thirty on the Pistons. Mm-mm. No, it's a good one. one. It's a good one, man. You you should definitely check it out. But one of my favorite parts about it is uh, they talk about how they knew that to beat the Bulls and Jordan, how they had to just bang on them. That that Pistons team like beat people up physically. That you know it it wouldn't happen that way anymore. But that was you know we talk about. Uh, I agree with you. I think he probably would have scored out of this world numbers because I mean the first he scored fifty five
1: in the garden, sixty something but yeah. like all these teams, like just think if he did like if he was just put take that Jordan and put him in right now.
0: When you can't touch him,
2: for sure. Yeah, that's
1: what I'm saying like LeBron scored forty six. and you can't even touch him. Just think of just Jordan I think Jordan's way better scorer than LeBron. LeBron's a better mm-hmm. overall player. Mm-hmm. Jordan can score. Like his scoring ability and just he's ferocious, man. And that you can't you can't you can't duplicate that. Kobe tried, but not Kobe, you're Kobe. Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan.
2: <laughs>
1: it's true.
0: We gotta we gotta send this to Kobe. So uh, go <laughs> Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James. Is that your you'd say that's your top three? No, no, that's just my three of the best players
1: ever in the world. After them three, then that's your best player. Whoever's your best player ever next if Michael Jordan's not number one and Kobe Bryant number two, with LeBron James being number three in that category, like you put them up on the shelf as in the point. Who's your next best favorite mm-hmm. player? Those three right there. Then you can add the Kareems, the Shaqs, the whoever else you want to add. Whoever's your favorite player. Nate Robinson, it could be anybody you want.
0: We'll say we'll we'll go with Nate Robinson. I like <laughs> that. But you're right, you're right. The, the discussion kinda of, it, it starts after that. That makes sense. Um all right. So I I gotta talk about uh, a really big idea. You wrote a book, what was that, like three years ago, two, three years yeah, ago? Yeah, a couple
1: years ago, a man's car, harder right.
0: Yeah, tell us about that a little bit. Uh, I man, I
1: just wanted to give an inside scoop of, you know, my life and what I had to, you know, overcome and the obstacles and, you know, the the naysayers, people telling me I wasn't going to be able to make it. You know, then, you know, listening to the people that say, like my mom and my dad, the people that are close to me that, you know, really helped me get to, you know, the pinnacle, man. I mean, it wasn't yeah. just, a, just a Nate Robinson effort. It was, I had a great team behind me. People were great supporting class, cast. I had great. I got great haters and you know doubters. So everything, yeah. everything, you know, everybody played his part, man. and it was just, it was a, just a great story for you know, you know, kids that are probably you know going through the same that are struggling with, uh, you know, picking whatever sport they want to play if they're if they're multiple athletes, you know, multiple sport athletes. Uh, so it's just you know the grind, the blood, sweat, and tears. Uh. uh you know all, all, all the time you put into your dreams and you know what, what what you where you see yourself and where you want to be in the future
0: do so, I think I think it's a powerful message and I hope people pick up the book I hope they look at your story because like let's not let's just call spade a spade like if you are if you're picking teams for a basketball team you know five nine might not jump off the page you might not assume that that person is going to go on to score 45 points in an NBA game or, right you know, play play six hundred and twenty games at the highest level. You wouldn't assume that. Um, so I, I, think, I do think that's a powerful message. We live in Chicago, and so I, I say that because, you know, where you start does matter to a point. There is inequity and opportunity. You know, an opportunity does matter. But it's so cool to hear that, you know, even, even if even if all the cards weren't dealt in your favor necessarily, like, forget that. You've
1: got to kind of create your own magic
0: sometimes that's exactly right and it's it's amazing if, if uh if anyone listening to this is not following you on social media i think that's a really good place to if, if I, I assume you'd agree with this uh to just kind of figure out who you are because there's it's a combination of family yep. and work i mean a little there's a little there's a little fun in there when i and care.
2: there's some fun that's, that's true, and, true. And, and
1: <laughs> you know well my fun is the family being with the family mm-hmm. for me now like you said my motivation and everything changes due to every year when you have children. You know, I have four beautiful kids. My son, Nabeer, is 13 years old. He's going into the eighth grade next year. He just turned 13. I got a son, Nael. He's 11. He's uh, going to middle school next year. So it's a big step. My daughter's turning nine. Uh, You know, my son, Nasir's is two. He'll be three coming up this year. So, you know, I'm just trying to show these guys the way. I'm trying to show them, you know, what hard work, one, what it looks like. Not just tell them. Easy to tell somebody, you know, for me, it's easy to tell somebody, oh, man, go out. You got to work hard. You got to do this. That's the easy part. You know, the hard part is actually taking your step and actually doing it the first time and then never looking back and knowing that this is going to better you for the future. Because I'm not just doing it for my kids. I'm doing it for my kids' kids. So when my kids have kids, they're Mm -hmm. ready to take that role and working hard, showing them what it takes. You know, not just telling them, like, I want you to you gotta be, here. like, I, Like sometimes I take my kids to work out. Yeah. I show them. And sometimes I make them work out with me, and then sometimes I want them to just watch. Just right. watch watch how hard Daddy go. This is what I do every day when you're at school. This is what it looks like, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I go here. Then I go to the next spot. I do two days. Then I come home, and I'm bad. Then i got to take you guys to go work out. I want to take you outside just to work on your game, just to be outside, getting the feel, listening to the birds and the wind blow and you're outside toop and it's just you and the ball and, and you know it's just everybody in the world there's somebody in the world that's working just as hard as you so you mm-hmm. gotta imagine you know what what separates your game from the next what makes you a different pl- a player not just necessarily a better player what makes you different than that person I love yeah. you know but that's how you have to stand up by being different you don't always have to be the same and that's one thing I loved about myself and my game I always was true to myself I knew who I was
2: and mm-hmm. I played that
1: way. I I didn't change because oh, coach said you've got to. Well, that's cool. He said that, but this is who I am. This is who makes me happy, and this is what I'm comfortable with being. And this is me. And you mm-hmm. got to be comfortable with yourself.
0: I love that, and I think that's good advice for sure. Are, and you know, your kids are they are they kind of following suit? Are they? Um, can they play a little bit as well?
1: Yeah, they're both. They they hoop like right now. My daughter, she don't play, but I'm trying to get her to want to play. I don't want to push it on her. So she knows sure. everyone to pick up a basketball. That's cool, but I know she does because when I when I go to the gym and she's I see her watching. She she can dribble. I don't, I only work with my daughter. She dribbles between the legs behind the back. and just that's just off of watching what I make my kids do and when mm-hmm. I make take them to basketball games and practices. Like she watches. She's like, "Ooh, Daddy, I want to play basketball." So next year, I'm gonna put her in a hoop and see how she does. And there you fun. go. Like, she's gonna have she's going so much fun knowing that you have so many new friends like. Playing basketball, it just doesn't make you a better player, man. It makes you have friends, like, friends you have. You'll be with other people forever. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It'll take you places you've never been. Like, I've been around the world just because I've mastered and, you know, put my my effort in learning how to play basketball, and I've become good at it. You know, so playing a good sport and doing something you love can take you places you never think you'll ever see.
0: No, that's exactly right. That's good advice, man. And I, and I, hope, I hope people listen to that part because one of, the, one of the best parts and probably one of the most lasting parts of anyone's athletic career are the bonds and relationships you make with your team. It's like it's outside of your family, there's, there's nothing like it when it goes well. Um, right, on, on that note, you, are, you hang out with a former teammate of yours regularly. Um, tell us a little bit about your podcast. We're we're huge Carlos Boozer fans, by the way, as well. We love both you guys. Booze, Booze is a good guy. That's my dude, man. He's he's a probably the big brother I never had.
1: I've always probably wanted. <laughs> he's a you know he has three three great uh, boys himself. He's a great father.
2: Mm-hmm. He's a great mentor
1: as well. Uh, you know, but we wanted to just you know come up and ch- change the game and do something different, man. We started a podcast together. It's called Hold That Podcast uh, by Sports Illustrated. They picked it up and. Uh, right now well, we are in our seventh or eighth episode, I believe, I can't remember. But uh we just get to shoot it and you know, chop it up, talk about hoop, talk about real life stuff, playoffs, you know, just life, man. You know, kids and people going to work, you can you know, take a listen to the podcast, um, and it's on Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast from, but and it's it's a different I would say it's a it's a different outlet that you can get, you know, off your chest, off your mind just to be able to talk and, you know, let people listen to stories that they've, you know, that they've wanted to, you know, hear, you know, things that uh, that they're probably going through that, you know, it may be on a podcast you may, and we may answer, your, you know, answer some of the questions that you guys have, that you're mm-hmm. thinking, you know, so it's been pretty cool. You know, I've learned new stuff on a podcast that I've never learned, you know, knowing about boozer you know, you know, Prince renting out Boozer's house. I think that was a great yeah. story. Like that, that was is awesome, great wow. wow bro, like Prince, that's like, that's like <laughs> Michael Jackson renting out your pad. Like how, like, how cool would that be? I mean, that like, was how, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it, it, it's just been fun, man. We've been having fun uh, trying to take off. We got, we got some, uh, we're about to come out with some merchandise some hold that gear for, for yep. the fans to uh, to be down and, and support and, you know, show love to man. Uh, yeah, we got some we, we got some things brewing.
0: Well, people people have to check it out. I, that Prince story alone is worth turning tuning in. But like uh, your conversation with Rip Hamilton, like I thought was really good. Just learning more about um, you guys as people, getting to know like the personality of the people you've watched for so many years. Uh, people should definitely take a look. All right, so we got a we we are. To wrap up, we usually have uh a couple questions from Coach Nadonna here. Uh the Coach Nadalma, like uh, How do you feel about that? What's up? Let me let's, let's, let's shoot it. it.
2: Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Uh right off the bat, what is your favorite non basketball movie? My
1: favorite non basketball movie? Wow, that's a, great, yeah, that's
2: a great question. My
1: favorite non basketball movie. There's so many, man. Is it at, let me see, golly. I'm gonna have to go with probably the movie Life. Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. I, I love the movie Life. I
2: don't think I've ever seen that. It's what? you What? He's never
1: seen the movie Life at uh, all. That's your that's your homework. By by next week, I'm gonna DM you and I'm gonna ask you, you got a week.
2: All right. Movie life. Week. <laughs> it's yeah. so
1: funny. Oh my God.
2: <laughs> um I and I will be very happy to say that uh, the reason I couldn't get other things done is because I was doing the homework that Nate Robinson gave me. That's go. a pretty cool thing to say. life. You'll, think, I think. You'll thank me later. All right, all right. Um, <laughs> all right, next one. Who's your favorite team in the NBA to watch right now? Favorite team to
1: watch in the NBA is probably Houston. Houston and
2: Philly. Houston and Philly.
1: Those are my two favorite teams to watch. That is an interesting one. I mean, you got MB who talks trash and backs it up. You know, Ben Simmons is kinda of doing the same thing, you know, with this whole rookie thing, talking about, you know, going back and forth with, with Mitchell. I think that's I love that. But they're just balling, man. Philly's dope. Philly's dope, but Houston is the best team to watch for sure. They yeah. have the most they have the most fun, them and the Warriors.
2: Yeah. James Harden uh, is, is a pretty incredible player. He's, a, Jor- like he's a Jordanist he's a player in this in this in this era, right now. Nobody's stopping him.
1: Crazy. Feels feared.
2: Yeah. Um, all right. Uh you mentioned Carlos Boozer earlier, but I was wondering if there was another teammate that you've had throughout your career, uh, that stuck out to you that you've stayed close with and just uh tell us a little bit about them, why you've stayed so close with them.
1: I would say two guys
2: it would be Matt Barnes
1: and uh the real right. Those two guys, uh they've just been cool dudes, man. You know, like when you text, they text back, they say what's up, they hit you randomly, just you know, checking on you. Uh you know, them, them two guys have been, you know, great buddies to me besides, next to Carlos Boozer that's, you know, that, that, that stick to being a good friend. Awesome. And it's not always just, oh, let's go kick it or let's go, you know, go work out. It's, you know, man, checking on you, bro, seeing what's up. Even if it's a funny text about being ugly or, you know, oh, man, I saw you on TV, da, 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 da. Like, you make the TV, you know, the game. Like, any little thing that when you check up on somebody and just say what's up, that makes you a good friend.
0: That was That was a quick lightning round. I like it. So, all right, so we'll finish with this. Um, if you had like a, some advice to give someone, um, a, like a young aspiring athlete, um, what's like the one best bit of advice you would, you would tell somebody trying to get where you are?
1: Uh, I would say, I would say to them, one, you, you can't fake, you can't fake hard work. One thing you can't fake, whatever you do, go hard at what you do. One, two, believing in yourself. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, literally believing in yourself. Like, there's no... You can't rely on anybody else to help you do... You got to believe in yourself. You have to... Mm-hmm. That's, that's major. And it's then huge. three, you got to have fun. If it's not fun, man, it's, things are hard to do when they're not fun, man. Oh, yeah. You got to yeah. have fun yeah. and enjoy what you're doing. Because the hard work that you're putting into it, the belief in yourself, that you're getting up doing what you're doing, you got to be able to have fun while you're doing it. And those three things together is that's that's key to success man and it's simple and people will be like trying to look for like oh it's this is that Just be simple simple things man just enjoy it go hard at it and believe in yourself if anything is possible
0: i love that that's work belief and have fun that's that's the perfect place to stop i think because i mean it's just so unbelievably true like you said you can't fake the work you got to have a light in be in a tunnel, believe in yourself, no question yeah. of all else. If you get support, that's got to be – that's the bonus. But you are the one that, that – dri- you're the driving force. The fun part, I cannot be overlooked. Like, like you said, even, even in basketball – basketball is a game. But like the, 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 probably the one absolute in life, in sports, whatever it might be, is that it's going to get hard sometimes. And if you're not having fun doing it, like it, it's – that makes it that much harder to push through.
1: I'm telling you, once you guys start watching the games and watching athletes, when you see that their smiles and you see when they're really like when they're having, you'll see the players that have fun and the ones that are not, and it's so easy to spot. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, take a look. Take a look. You'll see.
0: I love and it, and it. And it's funny. It starts, from
1: a young, it starts from a young age too. You can start seeing from kids who really enjoy playing sports and some that don't. They just they don't even care. You you can see it.
0: There's no question. That's dude. We we. Um... We, we deal with that, again, in consultation all the time. There, there's this question, like, how do we make someone care more? I don't know. That's, like, the hardest part of sports. You know, how do you make someone care more? I'm not, I'm not totally sold on the idea that you can, but I will tell you the closest that we've come to that is, like, the more you invest, the more you care. So that comes back to your work thing. If you spend every day on your craft, you start, like, when you really invest, uh, you're, like, you might care more, right? But, the, but that in, inner passion... I mean that's gotta be authentic or there's really no way around it other than that. Right. All right, man. Well listen, we um, we're really grateful that you uh spent some time with us today. I hope we can stay in touch. Like you're we're big fans. We love the way you approach. Uh I think I think it serves as a great model and, and lesson to uh any young athletes out there. So appreciate it, bro. This episode brought to you by Hand Armor Chalk, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting. They are also the official sponsor of the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, a partner organization overseen by the Good Athlete Project. We would not support a product we didn't believe in. Check them out at Hand Armor Chalk on Twitter and Instagram.